یا علی مدد الوائز رائے ابو علی مشنری وائز نمبر سکس ہنڈریڈ اینڈ تھرٹی تھری بہت شکریہ I would like to spend more time with you answering your questions. It is very important to know our religion. It is very important to know what we are. It is very important to know what is our history. No nation can survive without the background of our history. and without the background of the cultural side. Traditions and the old things in any part of the world, in any country, in any nation are very important. <coughs> We Ismailis are so lucky that there isn't any time without Hazar Imam's guidance in our history. Normally we talk about history from Rasulullah, <coughs> about 14 centuries ago. But our history has actually started from Hazrat Ali. Rasulullah is a part of our history. Without that we are not known anywhere. We Ismailis are a major part of Islam. Islam was introduced by Rasulullah 1400 years ago. in that uh, <coughs> criminal type of society which many historians have described as the dark ages rasulullah was like a candle in darkness and he brought peace tranquility brotherhood worship of god and the other side which was very important and that was the ethical side the character if you read holy quran it is full of taqwa word taqwa in arabic is the parhez kari to guard oneself against evil that is taqwa allah has spoken about 112 215 times regarding zakat and salah the obligatory prayer and thus on what we say but he has mentioned more than 200 places about taqwa and then he says it's a part of taqwa to remember god and the prayer will guard you against evils prayer is not just killing a time that man may have prayer is a serious thing very serious prayer is actually talking to god prayer means begging help from god in arabic the word is salah but we say dua it means 
begging to God. And uh, when we recite our prayer, and when we know that we are talking to God, that awareness will change many things in your mind. And this is very important that one should be very much awakened to that condition of mind, that what you are doing. The beauty in Islam is to create the awareness and understanding that God is present all the time with you. Allah says, when there are two persons, the third is God. But when there is only one person, there is the second with him, God. This shows that we are never away from God. He has also told us that God is nearer to you than your jugular vein. He is too near. He lives in you and you live in him. It is like a fish. Fish is living in water. Water is outside and also inside the fish. We live like that. But in Islam, it is not enough to say a prayer. It is not enough to pay your zakat or dasman. There are some other very important factors that every good Muslim must understand. Number one is taqwa, as I told you. Number two, help to others. Number three, remembrance of God every time. This will elevate and develop the spiritual side of human being. Islam is a religion unlike the other religions. I do not name them, but you know that Islam is a code of conduct. Islam is a complete way of life. And Islam is much more than that. When I say much more than that, I mean Islam is not only for this world, for this life. Islam also comes with us after our death to a destination. Islam remains with us and we live in Islam. Word Islam has come from Taslim. It means peace and it also means submission to the will of God. In Islam, if you read Quran, we are told it has been enjoined upon us to think about the nature of God. God, which is Noor, Allah has no personification in physical body, but He appears in various ways. We cannot say that such and such person is Allah because Allah has no physical sight. Allah is pure Noor. Take for instance an electric bulb. This fluorescent tube or bulb gives light because of the electric current. 
the electric current itself which is unseen untouchable that only works through a bulb to give light the bulb is not god but the electricity the light inside that light is god illuminates everything this is a very delicate thing that in islam people have not understood it allahu nuru samawati wal ard god is the light of the heaven heaven and the earth for earth he has used the singular word the earth but for samawat he has used the plural word means skies or heavens why he has done so in another way allah says that there are seven earths and seven heavens that is a different thing samawati sabha wa alarzina sabha seven heavens and seven earths but here he says the earth and the heavens he hasn't given us the number of heavens but this earth where we are now we are told that allah's light is there in the earth also in the heavens now this particular ayah it has many meanings many subtle meanings which may not be understood easily the exoteric meaning is that god has his noor on earth which can be seen touched and can be listen to talk to like a human being just as the prophets as adam to hazrat rasulullah these nabis the prophets we say rasuls or anbiya they were appointed by allah allah says don't differentiate between allah's messengers and allah now when he says do not make any difference between them it is not only between the prophets to prophets but between the prophets and god we shouldn't make any difference we know allah has no physical body the prophets have physical body yet allah says there isn't any difference he is directing us to understand that allah is noor so allah has given his noor to these prophets now the prophets have physical bodies if we look at the physical side of the prophets we cannot understand allah the prophets have physical bodies they are like and they were like human beings 
and they had all the weaknesses of human physical sight not the spiritual and mental sight they were eating they were sleeping they born they died and all human weaknesses were also with them now this when i say human weaknesses i told you the physical weaknesses like sickness or uh, some other old age childhood but allah who is noor absolutely noor the light word noor in arabic cannot be translated into any language because noor covers many things noor is not simply this light noor means having all sorts of energy including intelligence here intelligence to us normally do not take as noor but there is light in intelligence i'm talking about that god has referred as noor i give you a ginanza stanza jema jemar jugata so prita kare va bhai prita kare va tema tema rahna vihani ji pisadadin ginan he says the more you make friendship with yukti jugat means yukti from sanskrit it means a system an organized thing yukti also means tactfulness yukti also means wisdom cleverness intelligence and there are so many other meanings of yukti for instance if we have to remove something which has gone into a bottle take for instance the cork has gone into the bottle if you give to a person who is not clever not wise like a small child tell him to remove that cork from inside the bottle he can't do it the only way to him is to break the bottle but to a clever person there is a way without breaking the bottle he can take it out not with finger he would put a strong thread double making a loop single loop put that thread inside and with some movements and adjustment bring that loop behind the cork and slowly slowly pull it out it will come out now this is called yukti tactfulness human life is full of many problems where we must use that kind of yukti 
in Arabic this yukti is written as hikmah hikmah Allah says O Prophet Ud'u invite people Ud'u to other people tell them to come invite them Dawat dena Fi sabilillah bil hikmah Invite them to the path of Allah with tactfulness. This is yukti. So God has told us to study nature with yukti and wisdom. So I was telling you about the prophets and Allah. Allah's nur cannot be seen by our naked eyes. But God has made some other kind of equipment. Man is fully equipped with wisdom, intelligence and spirituality. Our inner eyes can see and comprehend the nur of God to the extent of his own ability. We cannot comprehend God fully. But as much as we are able to do, we can. For instance, put a ball in the socket which has only 5 watts power. The light is dim and if you replace it with a 100 candle power, 100 watt bulb, the light will be much more. Light is little or more, dimmer or brighter because of the capacity of the bulb. But behind the bulb power is absolutely infinite. God has infinite power. If you are using in your intelligence a 5 watt bulb, well the light will be very dim. If you have more capacity, increase it to 100, 230. 300, 500, 1000. Once I went to Kobe and there in a Mitsubishi they had an exposition and there we saw a bulb which had 50,000 candle power. It took to glow 15 seconds. It was so bright light that we, even by closing the eyes, we could not stand it. Then they took us to another room and there was sunlight of half a million candles. It was a special room because otherwise normal cement, concrete or other things could not stand that heat and the rays of light. The light was so bright. Similarly, every man has in himself the bulbs to be lit and the capacity is according to your own capacity and ability. Prophets nearest to God, they had all that power that God 
make them as his bakshish. That's why God said, do not make any difference between his prophets and himself. The only difference was the physical body, and which we are told not to take into consideration. It means that whatever the holy prophets told us, it was from God. It means whatever we talked to a prophet, it was talked to God. And that is what Rasulullah told us, that Allah and my Lord, it is one. Ana min nurullah wa kulluhum min I'm from God's light and everything in creation has been created from my Lord. The Holy Prophet has also claimed now this kind of things ordinary people do not know. Only the Sufiyas and other people who know Islam very well in Tariqat and Haqiqat they can understand this thing. Hussein Nasr of uh, Tehran University has written many books which are worth reading. Allah says, O Prophet, those have given allegiance to you. Actually, in fact, they have given their allegiance to God. Anyone's hand in your hand is in the hands of God. So Rasulullah once said, Am Ahmad, his name was Ahmad. You know, Rasulullah had 99 names. So one of his name, names was Ahmad. In Arabic, if you write Ahmad, Alif Hay, Meem Dal, then he said, I'm Ahmad Bila Meem. If you remove Meem from Ahmad, it comes Allah, Ahad. Ahad means Allah. He again repeated in another way. He said, Anahu Arab, Bila Ayn. I'm an Arab, but without Ayn. If you remove Ayn from Arab, it becomes Rab. So this is the claim of Rasulullah. Every Muslim, particularly every Ismaili, who is a Tariqati, not the Shariati, must understand the realities of Islam. We shouldn't take Prophet Muhammad as a human being. He wasn't a human being in its real sense, though he was a human being. He lived, he died. So far his physical body was concerned, well, he was a man. But in Tariqat, we don't accept him as a man. In Shariat, it is quite all right. But in Tariqat, he was Noor of God. And in Haqiqat, he was one with God. And in Marifat, he was himself God. This is the thing normally cannot be understood by those people who haven't gone into Tariqat and Ibadat. <coughs> we Ismailis, as Tariqati have understood this thing. There are numerous ahadiths by the Holy Prophet which you can find 
in Ahadith of Ujusiya and other Ahadith not normally sold in uh, bookshops. You have to go to the Arabic language for that. Go to the original books. Because many people who write about Islam and the religion of Islam and the Muslims, particularly the books that you find in English language or in other European languages, <coughs> because the writers themselves do not understand the <coughs> realities of Islam, the Hafiki side of Islam, they cannot write it. They cannot give any justice to such things. We Ismailis must be very careful if we read a book about Islam religiously. Leave aside the political and other social things of Islam. <coughs> I'm here talking to you the spiritual side of Islam and that is Ismailism. Ismailism is purely Baturiya, Tariqa. And we Ismailis have been known in history as Baturiya. Why we were called as Batuniya? Because outwardly we lived like ordinary people and Muslims, but inwardly we were Batuniyas. Many historians have blamed Batuniya to be heretics because of our tariqah of Ibadat. We are very liberal people. We are not uh, rigid in our explanation to others. We are flexible and when we meet a person who cannot understand our religion, we don't talk our religion to him. That is the thing that we must understand. When you talk to non-Ismailis about Hazarimam, be careful that they may be able to understand him. Our Imam is our Imam. Any person who is a Muslim, if you tell him that Aga Khan is my Imam, well he will accept it gladly because he knows that there are so many Imams. He also is an Imam to him. Amongst the Sunnis, particularly these four sects of Sunnis, the Shafi, they follow Imam Shafi. Hanbalis follow Imam Hanbal. Malikis follow Imam Malik. Hanafis follow Imam Hanifa, Abu Hanifa. So they are known by the name of their leader. Likewise, we are known by our leader because we Ismailis separated from the mainstream of the Shias after the death of Imam Jafar Sadiq. So we were given the name Ismailiyah. And others who followed Musa Qasim. At that time they were known as Qasimiyah. The word Isnashariya came after the death of their 11th Imam. After him, their 12th Imam went into hiding and they said that he will come after a thousand years elapse and they are known as Isnashariya, the 12ers. We Ismailis, if you normally talk to others that our Imam, Aga Khan, is from the progeny of Rasulullah. He is the direct descendant of Rasulullah. 
pursue his daughter Fatima is absolutely right and sufficient to talk to others but when you bring your tariqa exposed to those people who cannot understand then the trouble starts and we do not want that trouble because every ismaili particularly in canada is not well versed even with his own faith ismailia then how can you talk to or debate the matter to others with others you cannot debate this thing keep it with you try to understand i'm sorry to say i've been coming here in canada for the past so many years my first visit was in 1963 in month of july i came here at that time there was no ismaili except one in ottawa well from 1968 onwards ismaili started coming into canada i know canadian jamaat many of you my personal acquaintances we are either from india pakistan or from east africa we ismailis have not understood our faith we do not know and we are not interested to know the awareness is not there to know ismailism we simply beat the bush we come to jamaat khana because we have to go we say our prayers half hearted for instance i give you as i said that we don't want to know our religion we are not interested to know in jamaat khana and here the difference is it is a classroom that is jamaat khana what do you think if i go back and standing against that wall you people are facing this side and i give you talk how would you like it i go and stand there you remain seated like this and i go there and address you from your back i saw the same thing in jamaat khana tonight the leader of the prayer was sitting behind you you are facing this side but the girl who recited our dua second dua she was sitting at your back this is not ismailism it was a ritual you took this thing as very light hearted the leader of the prayer should be at your head niyaz got part that sacred holy water which imam makes himself you place it at your back that's why i told you most of our ismailis are not aware of what they are doing and we don't want to know if we really want to know then whatever we do we go and find some person who may give you explanation to teach you to train you or to inform you people 
should understand. I saw sorry to demonstrate a girl sitting in Jamaica. When we say it should be in the front. Not one, many girls I saw from the right side touching the ground. Why we touch the ground? If you don't understand, ask someone. From entering to Jamaatana and coming out of Jamaatana, you people are university you will be the leaders of the community after some years. You are the cream and essence of our Jamaat. No one is illiterate amongst you, highly educated from worldly point of view. If you do not understand your own religion, if you are not aware of your own faith, the rites and the rituals, what we can expect from the others who are not graduates, not educated? You will be the leaders, raw and untrained leaders as far as the religious side is concerned. You may be a PhD, you may be masters, you may be engineers, you may be nuclear scientists, so what? You are simply doing up and down. There are so many animals also. They do up and down. This is the Farman of Imam Sultan Muhammad Shah. He says that if to bow your head down and taking up is sajdo without iman and understanding, then he says a hen is making lot of sajdos in a day, maybe one thousand, maybe more. Sajda is not that yet you simply put your head down and lift it up. Sajda is a thing that you are submitting yourself to the will of God. Sajda is a thing that you have understood God. Submitting. That is the thing that a person should know. Ismaili faith has derived its roots from Islam. Not only 1400 years ago, much earlier than that. I give you an explanation from Rasulullah. The Holy Prophet says, when you stand for prayer, you think that you are standing before God. You must have that kind of feeling and awareness that you are in front of God. So how much humble you should be, you must understand yourself. Then he says, saying your prayer means talking to God. You are directly talking to Him. The person who leads the prayer, he may be speaking loudly, but you follow word by word, bit by bit. Say yourself and try to understand what you are saying. You are talking to God. 
the leader of the prayer one who recites the prayer he is because if everyone shouts dua it becomes so noisy that's why only one person he speaks loudly loud enough that everyone understands and listens but everyone must follow word by word the person who is reciting the dua when dua is over you have already said to god you have already expressed your feelings to god you have already begged to him what you want then at the end rasulullah at the end of the prayer he used to keep his right hand at the place where he was making sajda the place where he kept his head in submission to god he placed his right hand and took the dust of that because when you put your hand hand picks up some dust you take that dust the rasulullah rubbed on his head three times he rubbed he said it is the most humble gesture that oh god i'm so humble so unimportant as dust the place where you make such you know when we say on right side and on our left side shahjadidar shahjadidar to our right side people not the second one but all people who are on your right side not only those people who are sitting here but to all those humans who are on your right side unseen suppose you are here in in this university in this classroom remove all these buildings and the walls there may be the sea and the other side of the sea there may be russia and the other side of the russia till the half of the earth so on your left side until the half of the earth you are completing all those people who are living on your right side living on your left side and this circle meets down maybe near india or somewhere in indonesia you are wishing all those people to your right side and to your left side this is the philosophy shahjudida but we are only wishing this thing to moments like as we are wishing or giving hand to a person who is in my own faith so this is the wish and if you go to mosque rasulullah said also assalamu alaikum salamati on you peace be on you on your right side peace on your left side it covers all the people when we give hands also we say shajudida and then dua is over we say hai rinda 
ਸਹੀ ਸੁਣਦਾ ਕਾਇਮ ਕਰਿਆ ਮਾਲਾ ਇਸ ਐਵਰੀਵੇਅਰ ਹੀ ਇਸ ਲਿਵਿੰਗ ਹੀ ਇਸ ਪ੍ਰੈਜ਼ੈਂਟ ਦਿਸ ਇਸ ਦੀ ਅਨਾਉਂਸਮੈਂਟ ਦੈਟ ਵੀ ਮੇਕ ਅੱਲਾਹੁ ਹਯੂ ਕਾਇਮ ਗੋਡ ਇਸ ਲਿਵਿੰਗ ਇਨ ਪ੍ਰੈਜ਼ੈਂਟ ਸੋ ਅਵਰ ਫੇਥ which is the faith of the nabis and prophets such a beautiful carries such a philosophical things and affects spiritually and this lights up the inner self the batuni meaning of the imam as i told you esoterically i said before that i told you exoterically the esoteric meaning is the prophet and god is one similarly the nur of hazrat imam is one with god his physical body esoterically is like a human being our leader our imam esoterically our spirit with the spirit of imam unites with the spirit of god that is the gist of Islamic faith. I thank you very much that you have listened to me. Now if you have any questions, I'll be so much pleased to answer you, provided I know the answer. Thank you very much. Yali Madan. The specific reason is there. we are tariqatis above sharia and in our jamaat khana the jamaat is known as spiritual children of hazar imam hazar imam is our spiritual father and the peer is our spiritual mother malana hazar imam is holding both the offices is imam is also our peer <coughs> in jamaat khana <coughs> we do not allow those people who are not from our jamaat if they come they naturally will not join us because they cannot join us they have not made bayat to hazri and we don't want observers we don't want to just exhibit our things our iman and our faith that is the reason we do not bring other people to jamaat khana and this is not only with us it is with all sufi tariqas all sufi tariqas which are more than 29 sufi tariqas maybe 30 maybe 31 any sufi tariqa would not allow anyone into tariqa unless the person makes bayat to the murshid the head of that tariqa so we ismailis are also a sufi tariqa we do not allow non ismailis well particularly when we are praying during the day time if a non ismaili wants to see our jamaat khana nothing wrong with the permission of the mukhi you can bring nothing it is only the prayer 
question pertaining to marriage in one old Salman Hazar Imam says that we should get married at an early age what would you say is an ideal age to get married <laughs> what about what about living together before marriage good in India this Salman was made in India in India it is a custom from very old time that as soon as the girl passes her puberty between the age 12 and 14 they get her married and the marriage age according to the old tradition of indian people maybe hindu maybe muslims anyone the marriage age of a girl was between 14 and 18 and this age according to the present time has a imam said don't get married at that age to my mind my experience of present day particularly in this area of the world that means the americas in the western countries the best age for a girl is between 20 and 26 and for the boy between 20 and 30 30 is too long don't wait up to that time <laughs> but this is the age i tell you i do not know if anyone amongst you is studying medicine I have studied medicine the ayurvedic and also yunani it is uh, very wise to get married at the early suitable time say for a girl between 18 and 24 and for a boy between 20 and 26 why <coughs> number 1 we are living in this promiscuous society the sexual urge is awakened as early as 12 and 14 in both cases another point is the tv and cinema and the literature that we see and come across these things work on our mind and our senses if a young man is not religiously active then he will definitely slip in bad habits these bad habits may be many and all of you know it maybe more than me it is better to get married and keep on studying if study is not interrupted if it is easily can be done that your marriage may not hinder your studies i would advise to get married this will give you lot of good it will keep your character good it will save you from adultery fornication promiscuity and other types of bad habits secondly it will keep you spiritually alive 
active. Those people who marry, they have lot of good sides, even spiritually. Uh, there is another point. Those people who are studying medicine, they will uh, agree with me that if a girl gives birth to her first son or first child at the age of 25 or up to 30, it is so easy and the child also gets good life, good health. But if a girl passes her age 30 and then she gives birth, the birth itself is very hard, it's painful at that time. A pregnant woman at the age of 25 or 7, 26 or 27, she can deliver easily without any particular risk of life than a woman over 35. As the age passes, the difficulties multiply. And then between the ages of 42 and 50, menopause starts and it is very, very uh, psychologically and nervously difficult time of the life of a woman. It is advisable to get married at the proper time. Now all these answers I have given to you are subject to your circumstances. Your family circumstances, your professional circumstances, your educational circumstances and the question of finance. So, adjust yourself, get married, don't forget to send me invitation. <laughs>